0: What up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Marie Shadows, and on this very special episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be going over quickly Hell in a Cell from WWE. Now, if you know anything about the Square Circle Podcast, this podcast was founded on Hell in a Cell in 2019 in October, and thus became the Square Circle Podcast, where I give you my thoughts, my hot takes, my rants. However, I'm feeling about wrestling in general, and it all started from there. Now, Hell in a Cell was definitely not in October this year. It happened last night, May 5th, 2022. So, you know, either way, this is still dedicated to Hell in a Cell, and that's how the Square Circle Podcast was born, because I was upset in 2019 after that stupid ending of The Fiend versus Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. However, this Hell in a Cell for 2022 was actually an excellent pay-per-view. This is what happens when you don't necessarily need Roman Reigns and The Usos along with Paul Heyman on a pay-per-view where you know you're going to get some shenanigans and you know you're going to get some fuckery. So this felt like a really good pay-per-view. Everyone did exactly what they needed to do in this pay-per-view to carry it and to send people home happy. And then, of course, Cody Rhodes being Cody Rhodes. We'll get to Cody Rhodes at the end of this podcast. I'm going to go in order, give you my thoughts very briefly on the matches, about the winners. And that's basically about it. I can't really talk too much about like where story is going because I always tell people that I watch WWE now as background noise. So I'm able to keep up with the stories, but I'm not going to go in-depth with these stories like how I would with New Japan Pro Wrestling to the most part, because I can't even go in-depth into storytelling when it comes to AEW. Now, this podcast is not trying to compare WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW at all. I'm just letting you guys know that My strong suit in telling you guys the stories without having to do much research is New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, before we jump into this mini review of Hell in a Cell 2022 from WWE, I would just like to say thank you to everyone that has ever supported the Square Circle Podcast on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast, youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast, marieshadows.substack.com. Wherever you find my podcast and you listen to it, thank you so much. I highly appreciate it. This episode will be audio-based only. There will be no video. You guys will be able to listen to this first on marieshadows.substack.com. Then I will later upload it to anchor.fm, folks Square Circle Podcast, where that would be distributed to all nine podcasting platforms. But seriously, make sure you sign up to marieshadows.substack.com to get all the latest wrestling info that I drop, including the Ibushi and New Japan situation, any wrestling articles that I write. I will soon be putting up my serialized wrestling novel up on Substack, and I will soon be writing up a quick update on stuff to expect. So more new shows, more new content. So please make sure to sign up at marieshadows.substack.com to get in on everything. And if you upgrade to a paid subscription, you unlock everything. Because this takes time, effort, and a lot of love poured into each and every one of these episodes and every single content. So not everything is going to be free. I need some type of income to uphold everything that I do in original wrestling content creation that does not lie to you so make sure you join me and others behind the paywall i am doing a special sale it ends june 12th and that will be down in the description where you guys can click on it and make sure to get a paid subscription to unlock everything we're gonna go crazy with the content i do appreciate everyone though i appreciate all you guys All right, guys, let's jump right into WWE Hell in a Cell 2022. Hell in a Cell starts off with the Raw Women's Championship title being on the line. It is a triple threat match between Bianca Belair as our Raw Women's Champion versus Becky Lynch and versus Asuka. This was a great opener, an excellent opener between these three women to have this triple threat match open up Hell in the Cell for 2022. I enjoyed the way that they planned this out, the way that it felt very urgent in order to become a new champion. Bianca Belair did wonderful to try and keep her championship title, which, by the way, spoiler alert, so early into this little review of the match. Bianca Belair does keep her championship title and she throws out Becky while covering a stunned Asuka in order to keep her championship title. And I had the same shocked face as Becky Lynch. As for the middle of the match, there was a lot of great back and forth. There was no hesitation between any of the ladies. There was no... Moves being done that the ladies did not know how to do. They didn't try and wow the crowd with a five-second spot. It was simple. It was down to the basics. And it really made you feel like anyone could be champion during this opening match. Of course, Bianca Belair comes in with her standing moonsault. Always looks amazing. There was a trio Tower of Doom but it got backfired when Belair backflipped off the ropes and ate a code breaker by Asuka. Asuka, managed, Asuka manages to do a double ankle lock to both Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. And for a split second in this match, they decided to work together to roll through so that way Asuka can go to the outside and her grip on their ankles can be broken. It was really, really good creative offense, very fast paced action, very fluid. There's not really much where I can criticize other than Becky Lynch doing a version of the rock bottom, which I'm like, I don't understand Becky Lynch at all. I don't understand her character. If she had more moves that were geared towards who Becky Lynch is, then yeah, uh, Becky Lynch would be a star and be over. But she's only over because she has to get over on other people's legacies, if I could say that, or just copying other people rather than trying to figure out who Becky Lynch is. And I honestly hope that AEW and Tony Khan and the women's division took notes on this excellent opener for Hell in a Cell, this woman's match. I hope they took notes because this is how. I love to see women's wrestling. Sometimes wrestling can be very simple. It doesn't always have to have spots. It doesn't always have to have the same things over and over and over again. And by the way, for people that want to complain that WWE, all they have are rematches, Those rematches turn into grade eight matches on the pay-per-view because now their chemistry is there. Any type of flaws or mistakes are out once the pay-per-view comes. Of course, mistakes can happen at any time between the rematches and the pay-per-view, but this was a solid sound opener of a match for a pay-per-view. And for people that complain about rematches, this rematches, that, that helps Every single person to get comfortable with each other, and then when they put together a really excellent match, no one wants to give it credit for what it is. It's okay in wrestling to have rematches. That's how you understand your opponent. That's how you can outsmart your opponent. Because, yeah, in the prior matches leading up to your pay-per-view match where it should be the blow-off and you guys go off to do any other different story, those matches leading up to it, you can now understand your opponent and use psychology to your advantage in order to get the one up on them on a pay-per-view victory which is a lot more in value than a rematch victory it's like you train your whole life for that pay-per-view win in a sense you know so sometimes seeing the criticisms online on twitter about rematches this and rematch that like Be happy that at the pay-per-view, you're not getting a subpar match. The rematches during the week can be whatever they want. But when it comes down to a pay-per-view, every single person in WWE knows how to deliver. And at times knows how to make a match very quality-filled and story-filled rather than trying to fill a quota of how many super kicks can I hit, how many... Canadian Destroyers can I hit? How many generic moves can I hit without telling an actual real story behind the psychology of doing those moves? In this opener alone, there was a lot of psychology in here where any woman felt like they can get the championship belt. Through countering each other's moves because all three of these ladies have already been in the ring together and all three of these ladies probably know each and every one of their moves and know how to counter it and can slip in and be the ultimate opportunist to retain the title. And that is exactly what Bianca did in this match. So great job between all three of these ladies. I really enjoyed the opening match of Hell in a Cell 2022. And congratulations again to Bianca Belair for keeping her championship title. But I'm serious, if AEW wants to grow their women's division, signing more women is not going to help that out. It's also not going to solve AEW's problem with booking the women if more women are signed. It's only going to put a bandaid on it and we're still going to get frustrated and nothing truly is going to get done for the women's division to be as good as the impact knockouts division and also a little bit decent of the WWE women's division too I know a lot of people are probably going to hate me for saying that but if you really 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 look at it the WWE women's division does what is needed of them to do And they deliver every single time, even if you feel like they shouldn't be doing what you see on TV. Remember that it is a company and they have to follow what they are given because they are characters. This isn't them being the actual person going into WWE and doing it as themselves. They're doing it as characters. So, yes while I probably don't agree with everything that they have the women doing, at least the women are being shown on TV, being shown backstage, and doing a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that gets documented. When's the last time AEW has done a lot behind-the-scenes for the women to get documented in such a grand scale as WWE? Not a lot. So while WWE women don't always get the chance to wrestle for like... 15 minutes, at least they still get in ring time. They get in repetitions, they get in rematches, and now they're starting to branch out and being part of men's teams. And that's refreshing. WWE is always trying to maneuver the women into positions that they feel that are best for them at the specific time. And, you know, you can definitely fault WWE for everything else and still be mad at them. But you have to give credit where credit is due that they let the women have that spotlight, even if it's not as grand as you think that it should be. But at least they are there. We acknowledge that they're there and we know who's on the roster. In AEW, we don't know who's on the roster. We keep seeing Britt and her team. Britt Baker should have honestly taken a vacation after she lost her women's title rather than coming back so quick and then winning. The Owen Hart Cup. Are there no other AEW women deserving of that prestigious honor? But just to wrap this little segment up. Again, Bianca Belair is still a Raw Women's Champion and that was an excellent opener to the pay-per-view. Our next match was Bobby Lashley versus Osmos and MVP in a handicap match. So the only thing I'm probably going to say about this is that we got to give MVP his flowers, man. MVP came out with a diss track to Bobby Lashley. And I had to listen to it again because I wasn't in the room at the time that it was playing. And it was an amazing diss track. And I'm like, MVP can do anything, man. Like, MVP needs his flowers And just so you guys know, MVP was the first ever IWGP Intercontinental Champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Do not forget that fact. The first ever to be the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. And here he is solidifying his legacy even more in WWE. Like it doesn't get any better than that. As for our winner... Lashley did defeat MVP and Osmos via submission in this handicapped match at Hell in a Cell 2022. Our next match was just a fun match. Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. For weeks, Kevin Owens has been trying to get to the bottom of Is Elias the same person as Ezekiel? And it's been a very fun couple of weeks. Comedy filled It's nothing too serious, nothing too deep. And it was just fun all around. However, in this match, Kevin Owens does pick up the win over Ezekiel, which is just funny. So again, Kevin Owens picks up the win over Ezekiel. Our next match had AJ Styles, Finn Balor and Liv Morgan taking on Judgment Day, which is Edge, Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley. This match, man, like I want to join Judgment Day just because I get to dress in, I guess if you want to call it the emo goth way that they're dressing, uh, because little known fact, I used to do that back in my teenage days and I sort of miss it. And man, Damien Priest, man. All right, I'm going to calm down a bit. There's just this aesthetic that I really like about Judgment Day and I really love what they're doing. I will say here on this podcast that it is Judgment Day over the House of Black because at least Judgment Day has a clear road that I could understand why they do what they do, their motivations. You know, with the House of Black, it's a fucking cryptic of a time and I really don't like crypticness like that. Unless, like, I know ahead of time. And I have pre-knowledge as to why they're being so cryptic and anything like that. You know, the House of Black doesn't really reveal everything. And it's like, you got to give me more than just breadcrumbs. You can't just give me breadcrumbs and expect me to be like at the edge of my seat. Oh my God, I can't wait for next week. No, I'm going to not remember anything because you gave me breadcrumbs. If you give me a little bit more. Then I could be like, all right, cool. I'll hold out and I'll wait for the story to continue next week. With Judgment Day, I'm already like sitting at the edge of my seat just because of the star power that they have, plus the way that they deliver their promos and the story that they're trying to tell. That is why I am more for Judgment Day than I am for House of Black. And by the way, I'm only doing this comparison between WWE and AEW is because I know someone's going to come into my DMs and try to either correct me or just really be angry with what I say. And I'm trying to give you guys a perspective as to what's the difference between certain groups that WWE gets right and certain groups that AEW doesn't get right. In WWE, Judgment Day, they got it right. Even if they have to read from a script and play the characters that they're told to play, it is done perfectly In AEW, because there are no writers, or at least someone to keep things on track, it gets a little messy, it gets a little convoluted, and I can't tell you the story from start to finish because AEW wants to do it on their own. They forget how to tell a story when there is a constant revolving door, and all the main characters that you need to pay attention to, including the side characters for a specific story, don't show up every single Wednesday. That's my problem. If you start a story, make sure you finish it with the appropriate characters that's needed to finish the story. Don't do a revolving door while you have a current story going and expect fans to automatically pick it up when it's their turn four weeks later, five weeks later, eight weeks later. Like that does not work. Again, I'm going to use this analogy. You wouldn't be happy if your favorite HBO, Showtime, Netflix show does that where the main character shows up for week one and two. You love the main character and then the main character goes missing for nine weeks. And then on that 10th week, the main character comes back as if nothing never happened. And then you as a fan accepts it. That's the mindset of an AEW fan. They accept anything that AEW gives them without any question. And I'm here on this podcast to basically tell you that that's not making wrestling better for tomorrow. Now going back, talking about judgment day versus AJ Styles, Finn Balor and Liv Morgan judgment day does pick up the victory in this match. This was an amazing match because it was a breath of fresh air. We had women in this match as well, and part of the teams, so it's really amazing that they decided to branch out and allow women to be on teams such as this. Liv Morgan is great. I can't wait until she gets a championship around her waist. I really hope that that momentum is still there, and then when they finally crown her champion, that it will definitely feel really, really good, like a really good moment. Rhea Ripley was definitely showing off in this match. She's a powerhouse and joining Judgment Day helps her to sort of make her an all around character and someone that I could get behind because for a while, I never really understood Rhea Ripley. It sort of felt like she was trying too hard to be the person that she's always meant to be. But now with Judgment Day, it just makes sense. All the aesthetic, the looks, it's just a really good fit. The match did start out with a brawl. And that really felt like this was a personal match. And of course, Edge takes out Balor with a spear. Thus again, Judgment Day picking up the win. Our next match was Madcap Moss versus Habby Corbin in a no-hose-barred match. Madcap Moss feels like a completely different wrestler, and he just feels right in his position, beating up Happy Corbin and basically starting to become the star that we know that he can because he has that potential. And the whole entire storyline between him and Happy Corbin and everything that they've done on their journey for us to get here definitely makes Madcap Moss feel like he's way over than Happy Corbin and everybody really enjoyed the fact that this guy turned and beat up his best friend in this match. This match really made Mad Cat Moss look like a million bucks as well as Happy Corbin. They did a wonderful no holds barred with this one and it looked really good. It felt really good and it just felt like this was Moss breaking away from Happy Corbin and most likely he's going to be on his own. And what I noticed, too, is that his ring gear is very similar to that of a young lion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And it kind of felt like this match was his graduation match, so that way he could definitely showcase more of his ability. Happy Corbin has been doing his character to the best of his ability, to give it justice of what the company wants. And, you know, it's been a hit. People like it. People accept him now and the position that they gave him. You can definitely see that WWE has faith in him and all that. However, a very, very, very fun brawl between Moss and Corbin. However, Mad Cat Moss picks up the victory over Happy Corbin via a pinfall. Our next match is for the United States Championship. Our champion, Austin Theory, versus Mustafa Ali. And this one should have had Ali going over with a victory ever since coming back to WWE and being on TV. Hell in a Cell 2022 was in Chicago in the All-State Arena. Chicago is the hometown of Ali, and Ali should have just got... The victory. So that way, there could be more of a chase, more of a story going on between him and Theory. And Theory just really like being annoying on the mic and crying and stuff like that. You know, to have the typical WWE thing for stories. However, Ali is one of the best wrestlers out there. He trains, he shows us his training videos, and he's really good at what he does. And I really do think that both Ali and Theory complement each other in this match. Theory was fantastic too. You got to give Theory his flowers and like his dues for what he does in WWE and how he just took this character of taking selfies and basically being an asshole to people and made it his own because most people just boo Theory now because of his character, which is a good thing. Theory knows how to make what fans on the internet will probably say a bad situation into a good situation because I mean, if we really think about it. Theory's character is very similar to that of Prince pretty with him coming out as like Zoolander and with the paparazzi and having the cell phone and it's all about him. So it's very similar to what theory does, except that, Theory just takes photos with people he's beaten, people that he's met. And I think it's a very, just to be really super obnoxious, Austin Theory is 100% obnoxious while you have Ali that is doing the babyface run, doing a fantastic job of being a babyface and doing everything that is asked of him. But, you know, I still wonder if the Incident Wrestling community on Twitter still believes in the hashtag of free Ali because that stopped once Ali came back onto television. And I don't know if the same crowd that was like hashtag free Ali still supports Ali while he's wrestling. I understand that during this pay-per-view and we're going to get to the main event and the shocking reveal of Cody's injured Toro muscle has taken the world by storm and rock the wrestling world but aside from that no one really talks about Ali the same way that they were doing the hashtag free Ali so again do those same people that tweeted out constantly for hashtag free Ali do they still support him even if he's on tv in WWE still The fans in the arenas, every time they go to a different town, I can tell that the fans enjoy watching Ali and that they enjoy his story and that they want the best for him. And those fans are invested. Are the internet fans in wrestling Twitter and wrestling community invested as well? This match, though, between Theory and Ali is basically... A wonderful match. You guys should go watch it if you have not yet to watch it. Both of these guys give it their all, such as Ali doing a Tornado DDT and Ali countering Theory's finisher, locking him up with a STF that nearly had the champ tapping out. However, Austin Theory hits his finisher on Ali. And gets the win to retain the United States Championship title via pinfall. Now we've come to the main event of Hell in a Cell 2022 for WWE. This one was advertised as schedule. We're going to have a Hell in a Cell match between Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. This will be their fourth match. Despite having rematches during the house shows, which by the way, people need to get over because like I said, rematches are the best thing to have when you are trying to find that chemistry with somebody because not all wrestlers have chemistry together. Again, case in point, AEW. So rematches are definitely the way to go if you want to have chemistry with another wrestler. This Hell in a Cell match will be their fourth meeting in their series, and it was revealed via online, on Twitter, on social media. I think the Dirt Sheets revealed it first, but I don't really trust Dirt Sheets. But then WWE backed it up by saying that Cody Rose has a torn pectoral muscle, and that the sequence of events that led to this was during the brawl before Hell in a Cell, On that Monday Night Raw, something happened during the brawl between Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins to start the injury. And then when Cody Rhodes was preparing for the match, lifting heavy weights, he completely came injured. And then when we get to the main event and when he takes off his ring gear, it was so black and bruised and purple to the point of a hush, an uncomfortable silence of a hush came over the Hell in a Cell crowd at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. No one knew what to make of it. No one knew what to do, but they were enthralled and they were looking. And I would say that I cringed throughout most of this match I will say that Cody Rhodes did not need to be in that position. He did not need to wrestle that night against Seth Rollins. But as we found out after the match and when he grabbed the microphone, he did say that he did it on his own will, his own accord. And he made the decision. No one else forced him. It was all his decision to fight in the main event as scheduled. Because he did it for the fans, and the fans paid their money to see him and see the main event. Now, that's very admirable. Very, very admirable. But I'm here, like, don't injure yourself too, too much to where you're out further, and, like, it could lead to other complications. But both of these guys were super professional in this match, in this main event, where, obviously, they had to talk about it ahead of time. And, you know, Seth Rollins did everything that he could. Cody did everything that he could, and this, to me, as much as I was cringing and wasn't really looking away, this was a great ending to Hell in a Cell. By Cody Rhodes doing this, wrestling with a torn pectoral muscle that could have gotten worse in a steel cage match where weapons was used, the steel steps was also used too, solidifies Cody Rhodes legacy to be better than Dustin Rhodes and his father, Dusty Rhodes, Cody Rhodes during this main event, as much as people were divided on if he should or should not have wrestled with that torn pectoral muscle, definitely overachieved everything And I'm just going to say it here on my podcast. I would definitely give him the title of icon after that. And you guys can feel about it however you want. But to go in there already hurt where you can see it, he should probably get the title of icon. Now, you guys might say, well, what about Kenny Omega? Because Kenny Omega fought with all of his injuries. That was not known until after the fact that he decided to drop the belt to Hangman Adam Page. We were all under the impression that he was just not wrestling to the best of his ability because he was that heel coward that don't necessarily want to take all those risks. But the moment Kenny Omega revealed that he was injured during that whole entire championship run after the fact, I wouldn't necessarily give him the title of icon. I will give him the title of the best bout machine and that no one could take that away from him. And that's what he's going to be keeping. But yeah, I really do feel that in this moment, in Cody Rhodes' career, he has definitely surpassed his father and he definitely surpassed Goldust as well. This match had tables, steel steps, the sledgehammer, the pedigree, everything you can think of. And Cody Rhodes still came out on top with a victory over Seth Rollins. The current record is that Cody Rhodes has four victories and Seth Rollins has zero victories. Where do you go from here? I'm not sure, but I will say that when the day comes for Cody Rhodes to challenge Roman Reigns for his championship titles, that Seth Rollins is going to insert himself into that match and make it a triple threat match. And one day down the line, we're going to have Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Now imagine if we get Seth Rollins to win the championship title, take it off of Roman Reigns, and Roman Reigns could go home and he could relax with his family and go into the movie business. Then the chase for Cody Rhodes to become champion of WWE will be so much sweeter because then Seth Rollins can definitely say that he has a win over Cody Rhodes and that would be a tremendous storytelling opportunity. And I can't wait for that to unfold if WWE does this. So for this main event, Cody Rhodes does pick up the victory by hitting, I believe it was three crossroads on Seth Rollins to get four and O on Seth Rollins. Now I just want to address some stuff that I saw on wrestling Twitter because some of the takes are just really, man, people try to look for an excuse when it comes to situations. So Cody Rhodes situation with his torn pectoral muscle is totally different from what CM Punk dealt with a staph infection and Z-Packs. Totally different. You want to know how it's different? A staph infection is what it is. It's an infection where, you know, it's bacteria in a certain spot. And taking a pack is basically taking pills that are antibiotics help with the infection. The moment that the z packs do not work and they have not brought down the swelling or take away the infection and it has not been healing on its own, Any smart person would have known to stop taking the pills. On every single prescription drug, there is the section where it tells you if it has not healed within a certain amount of days, stop taking those pills, go to your doctor and notify your doctor. But no, what did Punk do? He kept going to the WWE doctor, kept telling him the situation and the doctor kept telling him Z-Packs and kept giving him Z-Packs. CM Punk decided to keep taking the Z-Packs when he realized that it was not working. Cody Rhodes cannot take Z-Packs for a torn pectoral muscle because there was no infection there. Luckily, during this main event, nobody bled during this main event. If there was bleeding, then that would have been a really bad show. And maybe an infection could have happened, and then he could have probably been given Z-Packs to stop the infection because that's an antibiotic. But... You cannot compare what happened with CM Punk to Cody Rhodes. I get that people hate WWE for the sake of hating WWE. I totally get that. But at some point, you're going to have to accept that Cody Rhodes wanted to do this despite him being injured. And he wanted to make sure that the fans get their money's worth. And then at the end, you saw that he was thanking some of the fans in the front row for it. I may not agree with his decision. I usually don't. but. That was one hell, of, but that was one hell of a performance between two professional wrestlers that got the job done, made the main event feel special, and made it feel like Cody Rhodes is this myth now. He's like a Chuck Norris type where we're gonna have stories upon stories and basically tell our grandchildren the history of Cody Rhodes. They made it seem like a folk tale. And we all got to sit here, witness it live, and basically thank God that nothing truly damaging happened where it took the match in a completely different way where they would have had to stop the match and call for an ambulance or something. So be happy that nothing truly bad happened at the end of the match and that we still got Cody Rhodes intact. We have Seth Rollins intact, we have the referee intact, and WWE will go on as normal. Cody Rhodes will get his surgery, Cody Rhodes will be fine, Cody Rhodes will come back healed, and everything like that. Let's celebrate the fact that Cody Rhodes is in one piece, rather than trying to find loopholes to spin your type of narrative just because you don't like WWE, you don't like what WWE did to CM Punk, You don't like what WWE did here and there in history. And we totally get it. It's all documented. But at the end of the day, be happy that Cody Rhodes walked in injured and walked out still injured, but not further along in his injury, you know? And this is coming from someone who ranted about Cody Rhodes in AEW. And I have those podcast episodes in my backlog. But now I'm seeing a different Cody Rhodes, and sometimes if I read bullshit, I'm going to call it out and be like, you guys really can't compare these two. It's like comparing apples and oranges. You really can't. But I'm really seeing a different side to Cody and what he really wants to get out of his career. And we saw that last night at Hell in a Cell. So, for all of my rants, all of my previous rants, I do feel bad about them because that match was just so special to watch and to be a witness to it. And that really truly solidified Cody Rhodes as being an undeniable son of a bitch in this industry. Again, I may not like the decision that Cody Rhodes decided to continue to wrestle with his injury, but it's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is going to do what Cody Rhodes does best, man. And that's put on the greatest show that he can, even if he's hurt. And you can see physically that he's hurt and, you know, give you one of the best performances. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes my review of Hell in a Cell 2022. I do not do WWE reviews at all, but this was a treat of a pay-per-view it was nice from start to finish it definitely showcases that you do not need Roman Reigns and the Usos along with Paul Heyman to have a really good feel pay-per-view and take it home on a really good note normally I would not have a review of WWE but here we are and I hope you guys enjoy it this is a special treat for you guys and I really hope that you give it as much love as you can you can always follow me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. You can also sign up to the newsletter where this podcast episode will be on. So head over to MarieShadows.Substack.com and then also make sure to look out for it on all social media platforms such as anchorfm Podcasts, and your favorite podcasting platform. You'll be able to find this on. I honestly had a fun time talking about WWE. And I hope you guys enjoy this one, too. As always, thank you for your support. Thank you for everything. I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Again, make sure to follow me and sign up at marieshadows.substack.com. All right, guys. You have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast, where I try to make wrestling better than it was yesterday. And this was an episode of me reviewing Hell in a Cell 2022 from WWE. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.